Well, good morning, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the TR90 Body Burn 30 support call. This call happens Monday through Friday at this time, which for me is 6.40 in the morning. If you're in Mountain Time, it's 7.40. Texas Time is 8.40. Michigan and East Coast Time is 9.40. Um, If you're here live, then you know what time to be here. If you ever miss any of these calls, you can pick them up on Sound, S-O-U-N-D, Cloud, C-L-O-U-D, put in Frank, F-R-A-N-K, Lomas, L-O-M-A-S, and TR90, and these calls will pop up. They're archived now back nine plus years, back to when these... um, to when these calls started, but also went to when the TR90 program actually um, originated. Prior to the TR90 program, we had the R90 program, which was redesigned in 90 days. And for that, that particular program did not work for me because I was already doing the exercise. I was already doing um, the eating, um, but when they put in the the supplements and the shakes, that really made a huge difference. So that TR90 program when you're first starting out is that one really good clean lean meal a day, two shakes a day, three snacks a day, taking your supplements 15 to 20 minutes before a meal if at all possible. Uh, it just means that, that they're in your system and ready to start working when the nutrition hits your stomach. If you're not able to take them 15 to 20 minutes beforehand, take it, take them with your meals so that you don't forget to take them. Because I found for me that was one of the crucial parts of this program because when they added the supplements, I was able to lose 20 body inches over my whole body, which is huge because I had been working to lose some of that inside fat that was not wanting to shake loose. So I was... I was ecstatic. Didn't lose any weight because I already had the muscle, but I was able to lose the fat, which was really made me very happy. So with losing the fat, that means you need to do 30 minutes of moderate to heavy exercise at least five days a week. That is another component of this lifestyle change because you're changing your eating habits. You're making sure that you're getting regular exercise. I like to switch my exercise up between aerobic and weight-bearing just so that I try to stay well-balanced across the board so that I reduce the chances of accidents or falls and am still fit. Getting seven to nine hours of rest daily, and by rest that means sleep. Um, The higher quality sleep you get, the better decisions you make. Your body does a whole bunch of system resets overnight. It's um, sleep is one of those critical components when you're not getting enough sleep then you start making not good decisions and it's easier to fall off of your good habits and into bad habits so that's an, one of the reasons why I really stress getting adequate sleep seven plus servings of fruits and vegetables every single day um, they give you a lot of micronutrients a lot of macronutrients, and a lot of fiber. And fiber also helps to clear out some of your digestive system so that it's running at peak performance, which is also a really good thing. 
And with those having six meals, you should be getting 30 grams of protein at least three of those meals. And if you're a much larger person, you may you may need to increase the number of grams for those three meals or add a fourth meal that has 30 grams in it just because that will help the program work efficiently to really build up the muscle and help reduce that fat. With that being said, I am always looking for information to share with you that will help support that and explain why some of the TR90 um, program is put together the way it is. And today's information is coming out of a book that's called Fat Chance, Beating the Odds Against Sugar, Processed Food, Obesity, and Disease. It was written by Robert H. Lustig. And Lustig is spelled L-U-S-T-I-G, M-D, M-S-L. And so I've been sharing with you why we've kind of entered the personal state versus social responsibility with the nanny state and how the government has stepped in and some of the things that they've done has not necessarily been to our benefit. And we're going to be picking up with economic freedom does not work with addictive substances. Economists and food companies routinely invoke the rule of the free market to govern the sales of food around the world. This makes perfect sense, except when it doesn't. Addictive substances don't follow the free market. As an example, in the midst of the economic recession and in the face of stiff competition from competitors, Starbucks raised its prices on coffee even though jet fuel prices took a nosedive. Apparently, spending $6 a day on a coffee is now common practice, just as George Carlin predicted. Sugar is no different. Its costs do not follow the free market. After all, would you really spend $5 for a box of cereal or $1 for a can of soda if it did? Despite the Great Recession, Americans have continued, if not increased, their consumption of addictive substances such as alcohol, tobacco, and chocolate. Coincidence? The food industry currently has a carte blanche over what can be put in food and how it can be processed, packaged, and marketed. This has worked very well by increasing sales and decreasing depreciation and expanding markets worldwide. The food industry has a vested interest in blocking any form of regulation, no matter the consequences to our public health. It has set up a political action groups to help sway the populace into believing that any regulation is an effort, is an affront to your liberty and an example of the, quote, nanny state in action. An example of such propaganda is the Center for Consumer Freedom, or the CCF, a nonprofit lobby group that serves as a front for the food industry. The purpose of the CCF is to defend the right of adults and parents to choose how they live their lives and what they eat and drink and how they manage their finances and how they enjoy themselves. Their job job is to convince you, the public, 
that you have the inalienable right to choose and eat any food product you wish, irrespective of its calorie content, sugar content, toxicity, abuse, or environmental impact. This would be a great selling point if you actually had access and choice to all foods, but you don't. Unless you grow it yourself, you have only the access you have only access the food industry supplies to you. Barry Popkin of the University of North Carolina states that of the 600,000 food items for sale in the United States, 80% are laced with added sugar. 90% of the food produced in the United States is sold to you by a total of 10 conglomerates. Coca-Cola, ConAgra, Dole, General Mills, Hormel, Kraft, Nestle, PepsiCo, Procter & Gamble, and Unilever. And the poor have only the foods that they can get through the SNAP program and the WIC program, nearly all of which are processed and loaded with sugar for reduced depreciation. The point is, if you want to avoid sugar, you can't because we already live in a nanny state. In fact, I would submit that by promoting the availability and consumption of real food, I am doing more to reverse the nanny state than any corporation, corporate entity, irrespective of advertising budgets or taglines, and that any government entity, irrespective of price controls or subsidies. When it comes right down to it, it's really only about money and how to turn your money into their money. Let's see. Uh, according to the Standard & Poor's, they demonstrated the stock price of McDonald's, Coca-Cola, and PepsiCo compared to the S&P 500 as a percentage of change over the last five years. And it, McDonald's has gone up by 100%. Coca-Cola had gone up 40%. And PepsiCo, um, Pepsi has fluctuated right about 0% compared to the S&P 500, which is at a negative 20%. And that was from uh, mid-2007 uh, through October of 2010. which has kept the stock market depressed, the food processing um, companies have consistently outperformed the S&P. Want to make money? Invest in a food company. Personal responsibility is a core American value. Personal responsibility and capitalism go hand in hand. Take the risk, make the money. This allows the food industry to espouse their mantra. Any food can be part of a balanced diet, including sugar. And since sugar is addictive, we'll We'll eat it at, and excuse me, at any concentration and at any cost. It allows the farm, pharmaceutical industry a bigger market, and it allows the propagation of the obesity profiteers. When the government intervenes, if the when the government intervenes at all, conveniently it leaves itself out. Witness Michelle Obama's Let's Move campaign, 
which says focus on the individual, focus on the family, and focus on the community. Missing from this equation are the government and the food industry. It's a good show, gets a lot of airtime, makes it look like something is happening because it's deemed personal responsibility, necessary but not sufficient, and nothing changes. Forget the philosophical argument, why should the government rethink obesity? Because it pays twice. First, it pays $20 billion for the annual corn and soybean subsidies, way more than for tobacco. Second, it pays for the emergency room visits for the strokes, heart attacks, and dialysis. A.B. Shaw, a British physician, once said, Aortic valve operations in the elderly are very cost-effective if the result is death or cure instead of prolonged illness. If you can fix a chronic disease, it's worth the money to do it. But we can't cure cardiovascular disease, diabetes, cancer, kidney disease, or dementia. These diseases are eating away our health care dollars faster than we can print money to pay for them big numbers and they're getting bigger every year and this is happening to 20 to 40 year olds who will be sick for 20 to 40 years President Obama based the Patient Protection and Affordability Care Act or Obamacare otherwise known as ACA um, the notion that there would be major cost savings in providing preventative services If we continue to subsidize corn, promote processed food, and espouse personal responsibility for obesity, there won't be any prevention. Worker productivity will continue to to decline, preventable chronic disease rates will continue to rise, and Medicare will be broke by the year 2024. That's the outcome of personal responsibility with public funding. You can't have it both ways. We really only have two choices. It's either personal responsibility all the way. If you get sick, you pay or you die. That's the Russian system. And, of course, it's done wonders for curbing their alcoholism, hasn't it? Or it's public health all the way. We, get all, we can all get behind some societal interventions that can tame the beast. Societal interventions can target either the affected individual or the entire population. There are strengths and limitations to both strategies. And I think I'll probably get further into that probably on Thursday. With that being said, this is Susan Mann from Portland, Oregon, signing out. I want to wish you a wonderful day, and we'll have Frank up tomorrow. I'll be back on Thursday, and we'll have Victoria up on Friday to give us a lovely meditation to get our weekend off to a really great start. You can mention any thoughts or comments after the call. And here we go. So there are some of the political reasons as well as scientific reasons why we're in the state we are in currently.
what goes around comes around. It sure does. And, you know, in some ways that personal responsibility actually applies to the current pandemic. So, you know, the people that are thinking that, oh, it's their choice to decide whether they want to get the shot or not, well, in some ways they are paying for it with getting sick and not being able to get well, which is not a good thing. Well, I still have a question about, you know, my, I don't want to get into this, but the bad thing is that the vaccine, even though I guess people are not dying, but they are, but people are still getting sick. It didn't solve that problem, you know. No, no, but it is making it so that they are at least surviving the Omicron variant, which seems to be very contagious but seems to um, not be quite as robust as they thought it was going to be. And for the people without the, that haven't gotten the vaccines, they're not doing so well. So I'd much rather have the, the vaccine and maybe get sick some and then recover from it than not to recover at all. So that's my personal well, opinion. And I'll okay. just state that out there. <laughs> and, and that's good. That's good. We have an open forum here. Everybody has their own way of thinking, and that's important. And it's accepted. It is. Because, and if we don't have that open forum and be open, then we won't learn anything. And that's not a good thing either. So it's just one of those things. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, listen, you have a great day. Enjoy school. And oh, I, I will. I've got first graders today. I and I they're the same class I had yesterday, so it'll be it'll be rather interesting to see how it plays out. <laughs> okay. Well, I hope yesterday went well. It did. It did for the most part. I managed to teach them all of their math the whole math week of math the lessons that they were going to learn over the course of the week in one day because of the way the lesson plans were written. And so today they're going to actually get some fun during math, which is a good thing. And they loved it, which was weird. Oh. Well, enjoy your day. Oh, I will. You too. And, you know, if you get a chance, everybody get out there and enjoy some of the nice weather if you've got nice weather in your area. Because getting outside and getting that fresh air does wonders for your whole body, mentally and physically. With that being said, I'm going to turn everybody loose and have a great day. Top of the hour. You skip over to Facebook, One Team Global Live. You can listen to one of our leaders sharing information on how to build your new skin business, if that's something you're into. Have a great day, one and all. Thank you. Bye.